0: welcome to another episode of live from the blue seats i'm your host rob joined as always by dave and becky on today's show we discuss the rangers coming back down to earth a little bit mika zibanejad's struggles and the nhl's looming covid nightmare but first, just want to give a quick shout out to uh, our Seat Vlogs colleague, Russell Hartman. Uh, Russell, Russ, as we call him, was going to join this week's show, but then we had a little bit of a scheduling mix-up. Dave is actually not going to be on next week's show, so Russ is going to fill in for him then. Really looking forward to that. But also, uh, Russ informed us a couple of days ago that he actually tested positive for COVID-19, so... Russ from all of us here at the show, just want to wish you a, a speedy and quick recovery. And and we look forward to having you on next week. Uh, So Dave and Becky, anything you guys want to add to that before we start? Uh, Believe it or not, Russ
1: does not play a professional sport. So his testing positive for COVID was a little bit of a surprise to everybody. So get well soon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We want you back. We're looking forward to having you on next week.
0: Yeah. And Dave, uh, I haven't heard directly from you. Well, that might not be true, but I'm going to make you say it anyway. Why are you not going to be on next week's show? Because I am
1: a giant nerd, and I own it, and it is awesome, and I am probably seeing Spider-Man at that time. So I love all of you guys, uh, but I have to see the movie, and I can only mute everything for so long on social media before something spoils it for me kind of like the way yahoo's front page managed to spoil the eternals for me by saying the big <laughs> spoiler at the end in the headline i don't know why they That's did that cool. that was one of the dumbest things i've ever seen and i got really pissed so Wait,
2: i'm doing no, what i, have I can a similar story i have a similar story so i i never finished the wire and i know the wire has been out for like decades and whatever but uh the if you google something about the wire and I can't remember exactly what it was but I googled like a completely unrelated character or something to this other character and one of those like you know you get like the the, like suggested questions or whatever that like gives you like a little summary or whatever the like third suggested question was a major spoiler about another main character who dies and like Obviously, it's like 20 years old and everything, and so it doesn't really matter. It's not really a spoiler at that point. But, like, how dare you just put that... Like, like, what if it was someone who just wanted to watch the show, like, go in fresh, and now they know that this person dies? It's bullshit.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why they do
0: that. Oh, go ahead.
1: It's just... Why? Uh, uh, The Wire... I actually haven't watched The Wire. I know. I know. I also never watched The Sopranos. I know... I know. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I haven't either. I need to. But in today's day and age where there are a lot of people who are delinquent on these shows, you don't have to put it front and center. I, I get I, I get it. Like We can talk about it. You can say hey, if you haven't watched it, there are spoilers. You might not want to read this. At the very least have the common courtesy to do that.
2: Oh, and the Sex and the City reboot, there was a major spoiler in the first episode and it like, essentially got blown up. Like, you could, you you would have to avoid all of social media and, like, to the point that, I can't remember where I was. I was somewhere that had the radio on. I think it was the vet's office yesterday, and they had the radio on. And, like, the radio host even said the spoiler. Well, like, they had pr- to. I mean, like...
1: But because Peloton stock tanked like 15% after that. Did I you see deserve- how, st- how <laughs>
2: stupid are people, though? And then the people who were like, oh, Peloton knew about it all the, the whole time, and like they approved it. I'm like, absolutely not. They would never approve that. They- Ugh, just No, people. they did not approve not it, but serious.
1: they recovered well with the Ryan Reynolds ad. I thought I they mean, did a that, good job with it.
2: I, like, w- I watched it 15,000 times in a row. It was like raving over it. I loved it. Uh,
1: it's just... Also, as an aside, how corrupt are markets when a TV show, a fictional TV show can impact a stock by 10 or 15% after that? I'm trying not to say what happened, but how, how, how? what is wrong with people?
2: I know. And what's so annoying too is, and I am like a staunch Sex and the City fan, like I even didn't hate the second movie, but- the show itself, like, the first episode itself had so many cringe moments and, like, so many things that I was, like, dissecting. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm definitely going to hate-watch the series. But, like, this, that, and the other. And I forgot about most of them when that thing happened. Ugh. Just, it's just, ugh. I hate-watching it. I just hope there's only one season.
0: Dave, if it makes you feel any better on the nerd front, uh, I went and saw the new Ghostbusters movie, totally geeked out last week with my brother and then was on youtube the whole next day watching interviews and old interviews from when the original ghostbusters came out so i mean i'm with you i'm just you know very uh disconnected from the mcu and all the marvel stuff although the the movies i've seen i've liked um but like you give me anything ghostbusters i'm in especially when it ties back to like the original movie so which this new one very much does Mm -hmm. um Anyway, I think there's some hockey to talk about, so let's let's transition to that. Um, we'll start, as we always do, with a quick recap of, of last week. Now, obviously, our show aired on Wednesday. We did record on Tuesday. That was the night the Rangers played the Chicago Blacks, Blackhawks, beat them 6-2. I think we can kind of gloss over that game. Obviously, a, a fine win against a bad team. The next night, Wednesday, uh, a week from when you're listening to this, was the 7-3 loss to Colorado. So... That one, you know, I, I, I know we talked about it ad nauseum online, and there was plenty of, of discourse about it, but pretty much a schedule loss for the Rangers. They were on a very short turnaround back-to-back with an AHL goalie in the net. Um, is there anything else we should take away from that game, though, Dave, especially heading into, uh, as we record on Tuesday, tonight's rematch with Colorado? The next
1: person that blames Adam Huska for that game is getting slapped across the teeth. <laughs> Seriously, like...
2: Wait, I have something. I have something to say. Go
1: for it. (laughs) That game frustrated me. Not the game itself. Like, I knew that was coming. But people losing their minds over a fourth-string goalie who really hadn't played well until ten games this season was getting lit up by one of the best teams in the NHL. Shocker!
2: Oh, wow! Who knew?
1: Sorry, I'm on a rant. Yeah.
0: Go ahead, Becky. What were you gonna say?
2: I was gonna say that obviously that was that was a very bad game, like without a doubt. But at five on five, the Rangers actually like won the second period and were forty six percent expected goals for in the third period. At five on five, scoring venue adjusted. Like it's, I, I'm just throwing that out there. I mean the third period it says like five on five was only 11 minutes and like is, was that the game that Trubo like wrecked someone or was that after? well he wrecked that like
0: was the second game in and overall. that was right, right so, because the game before was the, the Kara oh, thing
2: which was yes, very scary yes yes yeah. yes yes, yes.
1: That, that was the game yeah. where he wrecked somebody but didn't actually send somebody to the hospital and we're glad that uh, what's the I, I, like, player name he's okay he's okay I, yeah Kara
2: he's fine I, I, like I don't even want to laugh but like You know, and that's that we can get into a whole other conversation about that. I mean, he apparently has a long history of concussions and his chest was or his head was tucked down. He was looking down at the puck. And so Truba did get him in the chin a bit. I mean, it wasn't head hunting, but he did, even with his elbow tucked and everything, still hit him in the chin a bit. And like you just almost like it just just sucks. Like it just sucks that the game is that rough. But that was. Either, either you have no hitting at all and you change the game fundamentally or you just have to have clean hits and you just have to be aware that he's there and you have to be aware of, uh, that you can get hit like that when you have the puck. So,
0: Yeah, and there's a very fine line and I saw a lot of people say this on Twitter and I do get it to a certain extent. But there's a very fine line between blaming the victim, right? Which a lot of people say, well, you got to keep your head up. But also the... Fundamental truths of the sport of hockey being played by two hundred pound grown men going twenty two miles an hour on ice skates. There are going to be high speed collisions, and you're taught as a defenseman, especially the way the Rangers play this year, to step up and try and create turnovers. Right? You read the game, and and that was a very uh, that was the right decision by Truba. Now you could quibble with the execution for sure, but it was a soft pass by Seth Jones behind Kara. He had to look for the puck in his skates. And Truba saw that all happening and said, okay, this is a chance for me to create a turnover here. And he stepped up and made the hit. I I have no problem with the decision. I understand why uh, people were, you know, a little bit spooked by the outcome. I'm not blaming Kara at all, but it is a fundamental truth of hockey that you're going to run into other people at very high speeds from time to time. There's almost no way to stop it. Even in the women's game, even in, if you're in a men's league or a beer league, people lose their edge people go into a corner too quick or they go to the net too hard and collisions happen that is what happens in this sport and I don't think you can legislate that type of contact out of the game I think you can legislate the head contact out of the game and I think the NHL needs to continue to do that but nothing that Truba did in any of his three hits so there was the Kara one the McKinnon one which was a really good hit and then the one the other night against Nashville uh, I think it was on Luke Kunin or Kunin I don't know how you say his name and they got all fired up over that. That was the least violent of the three. That was just kind of a solid body check along the boards, and it just—it was, like was way bigger attack. than him. It was
2: almost a yeah, hit- like yeah, he came in like yeah. ass for so yeah. Uh,
0: and but you know, I,
1: yeah, it's just the hits are fine. They're legal. They're clean. Everything is tucked in. The primary contact point is the chest, and, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just everybody lost their goddamn minds over clean hits by today's rules. And if we want to discuss what the rules are and if those should change, fine. That's a different conversation than Truba and the hits because the hits are clean.
2: Well, he's been playing with tremendous BDE since then. So. <laughs>
0: oh, he's a very confident. Yeah, he's. A, I was going to say, it's a great point. He's very yeah, he's confident. really confident right now.
2: Yeah, I'm
1: actually more pissed off about the lack of an instigator call on the fights that broke out after. I think they only called the instigator once
2: and they did. Yeah, the first the Chicago game, they didn't call it right. And then the the Colorado game, they did call it. And he like bodied whoever fought him in. Oh, my God. In Chicago, he like destroyed that. I I can't remember who it was, but I can't remember
1: remember who who it was either. But it's just absolutely bodied him. The point of the instigator penalty is to put people in the box who start the fight for no reason. This was a clean hit. There's no reason to start the fight. I got nothing. absolutely. I got they did
2: call it in in the Colorado game, and I was floored. I like I tweeted actually like once again we are wondering where the instigator penalty is, and then they called it, and I was like, once again, my tweets are outdated. It's fine.
0: Yeah, no, it's, um, it's you know, I think in the end, Truba's playing a very, very confident, very solid game right now. I mean, this is the best he's looked as a Ranger by far in his three seasons here. And, you know, he's one of the only guys that has been consistent through this little dip back down to earth. You know, as I called it in the intro with the Rangers having lost two of their last three, uh, the 7-3 loss to Colorado. Again, we don't need to rehash that. We kind of know why that happened. But then they get shut out by Nashville. The Buffalo game was not a Picasso, as uh, David Quinn used to uh, used to say. They played fine for two periods. They played pretty bad in the third and were forced to hang on against a, a, a really a not very good opponent. Um, but they did, and it was a road game, and it was important for them to get a result. But, you know, the offense is is once again sputtering. Now, I don't think... It's necessary to freak out over a temporary dip because this is in offense, uh, I should say, because this is sports and slumps happen, and you just can't freak out over every game or every you know short stretch of games where uh, the puck might not be going in or the team might not be generating as many chances as we're used to seeing. Um, however, I think you know one of the issues that's come to light over the last couple of days has been the, the struggles of the top line to produce goals. Now they've produced plenty of chances. They've had plenty of puck possession, but the Zabanajad Kreider, Kako line has only scored two goals in about a hundred minutes of ice time. I think is the stat, right, Dave? Um, 88. So minutes. that's been a, that's been a problem. How many?
1: 88 minutes, even strength. Let's, even okay. strength. Let's remember that. But one. they've only
0: scored two goals in that time and, they, and they've generated plenty of high danger chances. So, I mean, I'll ask you first, Dave, you know, why do you think they're struggling?
1: Well, it's funny you say that because I wrote a very long post about this today is Tuesday went up this morning about what's wrong with the top line. The answer is, frankly, nothing. There is nothing wrong with the top line. They are generating chances. If you want to nitpick, then, you know, Zbanejad isn't shooting as much, but they're on high Shooting percentage, the team on-ice shooting percentage is 4%. Now, it's just a run of bad luck. Be a little bit patient. But on the flip side of that, this really does illustrate the need for somebody else who's a scoring winger in the top six. And again, I like Dryden Hunt. But you could find a stylistic change In swapping out some of the top six, maybe breaking up Kreider and Zibanejad. And I think Tom Ertz is the one that said Lafreniere, Zibanejad, and Gauthier might be a good line. But you don't have that flexibility right now because you have to put Dryden on somewhere. And the Rangers don't, don't have that additional scoring right winger. So they need another winger. And this really illustrates it.
0: Yeah, Becky, I want to stick with Mika just for a second since you are our resident Mika Zibanejad super fan. Um, what are your thoughts on him? And I know, you know, you've obviously been very um supportive of him even last year especially through the, the his struggles with COVID, and that that makes sense. You know, but a lot of people, look, it is the uh it's the way of the fan, especially Ranger fans, but most fans are like this. They they blow hot and cold, they jump ship very quickly. But you know, even I know that you've been even I think a little bit more critical of Mika lately than uh, than than I've seen you be in the past. So, so what are your thoughts just overall about about his game? Um, and 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 do you think he it's just bad luck, or do you think he can change something?
2: Um, I think he needs to shoot the fucking puck. Um, there have been a couple of times where he's just in the mood to make a play and. You know, you see that you make that one extra pass, the goalie's able to make the adjustment, and then it just doesn't happen, or a defenseman's able to pick it up or you know, whatever. But um, I wish he would just shoot like a madman because he he is a finisher. That said, um and like, listen, I respect people who are like this might be regression I get that fine like his career shooting percentage is like 12% or 13% or something and that's really high and okay whatever so he's 28 years old like I don't think he's fallen off a cliff I don't think he's terrible I would set my watch to him just streaking about and like tearing it up with a bunch of goals that'll be coming hopefully soon I'd love for them to come soon so that people can shut the fuck up. But, like, that's not, you know, I could also just not be on Twitter. That's also an an option for me. Um, I do want to say that I think that people are more apt to be um, critical of him because many people were critical of the extension. And a lot of people want confirmation bias. So people want to be able to say, like, well, I knew this was going to be bad and it's already bad and blah, blah, blah. And I just want to say, like, this is a player on your team. His success is team success, and you should probably try not to be so critical. Like, I hated Tanner Glass more than anything, but if Tanner Glass scored game-winning goal in Stanley Cup Game 7, I would buy a Tanner Glass jersey and run around in it for a year straight. Like, I, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't do you any good to, like, hate players on your own team. And I, I also say that as someone who hated A.B., and it made it hard for me to, like – enjoy the success earlier so all of that aside that's just like a big psychoanalysis there i do i have faith that he will be fine um i think that it's just a string of bad luck and that he's not taking as many shots and i would love for him to shoot more and that would be my only thing that i want to see from him um he's he's generating chances i'm not like concerned it's not like he looks completely lost
1: yeah, I'm with Becky yeah. on that. Like, he's going to be fine, and we can worry about that contract. And listen, that contract's going to be bad, but it's not going to be bad for another four or five yeah, years. Not, not
2: now. Yeah, yeah it's not, not going like, to be bad now. It's fine.
0: I, I, yeah, I'm with you guys on that as well. And I think you know one of the things that I've thought about with that line as currently constituted is, you know, that you, you think of Kako naturally as a stand-in for. For Pavel Buchnevich, his name comes up on every podcast, despite my best efforts and the guy's doing great, by the way, is 23 points, I think in 26 games. So awesome. Love that for him. Great for the St. Louis blues. I've got no ill will towards either that the team or the player there, but you know, Capo Kako is not Pavel Buchnevich. He certainly hasn't scored at that level yet. Although it took Buch four seasons to get to the level or five to get to the level he's at now anyway. So these things do take time. Um, but I, what my, my thought on on that top line is, it seems to me like Mika in particular is trying to figure out what his ideal role is because I think you're right, Becky. He's looking to be more of a playmaker now than he has been in previous years. Whereas, you know, Buchnevich he often was the one who made the extra pass and Zivanejad was the the beneficiary, and they had that, you know, they had four full seasons worth of chemistry to work off of, and it it was really successful. Um, you know, I think Mika is sort of still feeling out what his role is. And I almost, you know, sometimes a coach just needs to come in and tell him like, listen, if you're on this spot on the ice, shoot the puck every time. I don't care. You know, I don't care what, what, what's presented to you. Like, unless it's an obvious thing, like you should be pulling the trigger a lot more often, right? Because often a coach's role is to simplify the game for his players. And I think it's possible Mika is overthinking things a little bit, um, But uh, yeah, I expect him to come around. I also think that, you know, for all the ideas I've seen about moving the lines around and trying different combinations, you know, we have to remember things have been relatively successful now for about a month in terms of their underlying metrics. Mika's defense, his two-way play, his chance generation is better than it's been the last few years. Um, You know, he's not necessarily like an elite center in that regard, but um, you know, with his point production plus, you know, at least above average uh, shot generation and shot suppression metrics, he's he's a really, really, really great player, and that's what he needs to be. And you know, my worry is, all right, fine, you want to put him with Laugh and Gauthier? That sounds great on paper or in NHL 22, the video game. That line's not playing any defense, and Zabanajad is not going to be deployed against the other team's best players. And I think we have to keep those bits of context in mind when he when we have these discussions. Because half the time I see lines generated, you know, by fans, I think to myself, yeah, again, looks great. That's awesome. Um, the coach would never do that because there's there's no defense. There's no, um, you know, there, there's just it, it would be it would be a matchup nightmare in the wrong direction, if that makes sense. So he's not going to stick Mika's advantage out there with two guys who can't support him defensively um, and who may get caught up ice at a bad at a bad moment and just weigh him down a little bit more so. You know, as much as I like those ideas, and I think we should be talking about incremental ways to improve the team, as our very own Rob Luker always likes to bring up, even when things are going well. I don't think, uh, for example, a line of laugh, Mika, Gotier is the, is the solution. Yeah, they wouldn't play. Thoughts on that?
1: They wouldn't play defense at all. And Zibanejad no. is has never been a solid defensive player. Uh, his metrics in uh, defensively have never been good, but. Patience is a virtue here. When you take a step back and look at the style of play of Bucinevic and Kako, they're very similar styles of play. And it's just Bucinevic is more developed and he's an established great player. Whereas Kako will be or should be a great player if you give him time. But from a style standpoint... He's the same player. So what are you going to do? You're not going to get much better than that. And we can cry about the Buchnevich trade. We can cry about Vitaly Kravtsov because that conversation came up too about how he immediately would have fixed the top six, which is just an ass statement. And it is what it is. They need somebody established in the top six to round them out so that if and when the Rangers hit these slumps and they can't be patient, they can change things up on the fly and not have to worry about who's going to play defense on a line that may be a little bit overloaded on offense.
0: Absolutely. And you're alluding to, I think, Dave, the end of the season and playoffs, right? And that's why as the trade deadline approaches, we know they'll be in the market for a top six winger. They have the cap space to basically pursue anybody that's available. They have the ability to pick up a guy that that has maybe uh, a year and a half left on his deal, or, you know, somebody who's not a, a free agent or a restricted free agent until 2023. So they have options there, and it'll be an interesting deadline for sure. Um, but yeah, any other any last thoughts on on the offensive struggles, uh, Becky? Anything else you want to say there? I mean, you know, the Rangers have games this week coming up against Colorado, so a little bit of a revenge match. That game will be will have been played by the time you listen to this. Then they're in Arizona, then they're home against Vegas. So, I mean, obviously Arizona is the worst team in the league. That should be a win, although it's off a back-to-back and it's on the road, so you never know. And then they return home to face Vegas, who is still not whole yet, but is a good team. So, you know, they have interesting tests coming up. But any, any final thoughts there before we move on?
2: I do. Like, I understand and appreciate, like, a trap game, whatever. But, like, I think it's a real problem if they don't beat Arizona. I think that's the only thing I really have to say otherwise. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and let's assume, again, and this is going to sound silly knowing the result when you listen to this in the morning, but say they lose a close game to, to Colorado, maybe they grab a point by getting the game to overtime. If they then turn around and lose to Arizona, you're looking at three losses in a row, mm-hmm. four out of five, and then you're probably blowing up the lineup in practice on Thursday, and you're looking at you know maybe rushing Igor back for Friday against Vegas because you want to get a win. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think you've got to beat Arizona similar to the Buffalo game where it was like, all right, we knew we were going to lose to Colorado. Tough turnaround. Great team. That's rolling right now. Just get the win against Buffalo. Make sure this doesn't turn into a losing streak. That Arizona game is a very similar scenario. I, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, let's move on. So the other big story that, that popped up today or in the last few days And it's kind of been bubbling beneath the surface all season, but it it seems to really be coming to a head now, is the NHL's COVID situation. And by the way, I should say, this is not a situation that is unique to the National Hockey League. There have been big outbreaks in the NBA. There have been big outbreaks in the NFL as well. And again, outdoor sport, um, you know, so maybe not as many, not, not as much transmission risk, at least in the practice facility or at the arenas or stadiums, but you know, it's very clear that the combination of people gathering together, cold weather, you know, season kind of across the country, most of the country now. So that's usually when disease and viruses circulate more freely. Um, Also, just people, frankly, wanting to return to their lives, you know, all of this um, new variants, I think I said that if I didn't, obviously new variants of of COVID. Um, All of this is sort of adding up to a situation where I believe it's now eight or nine teams in the NHL have multiple players on COVID-19 protocol. Now, I saw a lot of tweets today that basically were one way or another suggesting that the NHL needs to shut, shut the league down for a week or two. Um, before I give my two cents on that, um, I want to kick it to you guys first. So, Dave, if you were the NHL, how would you handle this situation? And then, Becky, you can jump right in after Dave.
1: There's no point in a shutdown. The rest of the country is not shutting down. And all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. You shut down for two weeks. Players now get healthy. And you don't change anything. And guess what? We're going to have this problem again three days later. Or, well, five to seven days later, based off the incubation period, when players go out and... And they do their thing, and guess what? They wind up back with COVID. The only real option is to just power through and implement or re implement some of last season's COVID restrictions. You know, I don't think a taxi squad is going to happen, but enforce masks on players in team areas. Uh, maybe if you can enforce a booster shot for these guys, or give them an incentive to get a booster shot, yeah. But you you can't shut the league down. It's it. it I get the fear behind it, but this world is much better equipped to deal with COVID, especially the vaccinated people that get it. And all these horror stories of hospitals that are turning people away are because unvaccinated people are getting it and going to the hospital and dying. The players, according to what we've seen, are vaccinated. So they get significantly less hit by the symptoms if they even show symptoms. That's the point of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So let's... Treat. I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth and I'm going to get smacked by somebody. Let's start treating this like the flu now that people are starting to get vaccinated and have protocols in place to do our best to curb the spread while also not... I'm not going to say the word that came to my head. While also not panicking... Over something that, as of right now, is not showing severe symptoms in NHL players and in the people that are doing what they should be doing and getting vaccinated. I'm off my soapbox.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Like, I, I was, I was gonna kind of like, I kind of feel the same way. Where I'm like, I hate to sound like that guy, but it really does feel like COVID's gonna be in our lives forever like it's it just feels that way like where every winter it's gonna be like the flu and like yeah the flu kills people COVID kills more um so I'm a big proponent of the flu shot I get it every year you don't get the flu from the flu shot it's not an active virus so if you think you get the flu from the flu shot you don't um this is your PSA from me not going to medical school but just like you know I mean I'm doing, like, the big wavy thing. But, like, doing my own research. Like, it's not an active... (laughs) It's not an active vaccine. Anyway, whatever.
1: Your own Um, research... By the way, I hate people that... Oh, I did my own research. Yeah, you watched a YouTube video. Go away.
2: No. Not not you, Becky. Not you, Becky.
1: People in general. No, I
2: know. But, like, I read, like, the little quad flu or, like, flu event. Like, whatever they call the... You know, I don't know what it's even called every year. But, like, that's us. This is not an active vaccine like okay it's not an active virus when I got my daughter her chicken pox vaccine which by the way who the hell knew a chicken pox vaccine existed like I am so jealous as someone who broke out in the chickenpox in the middle of my brother's like band or choir or something and like was miserable and there was this picture of me floating around my parents house with the fucking chicken pox like pouting <laughs> and my dad probably took the picture and was just like oh you look beautiful and snap like
1: what? yo <laughs> Rob you gotta but- find that and blackmail Becky or something cause th- that's <laughs> that's gold no, as somebody who was forced feel- into a chicken pox party uh, so that I got it from my cousins That that is pure gold oh please find that
0: <laughs> we're gonna make it the live from the blue seats Twitter avatar you know profile photo <laughs> I'll find it. Oh, God, No, but, God, but yes. like,
2: legit, I, I, didn't, I did not know that a chicken pox vaccine exists. And, like, now kids don't need to get the chicken pox. That's amazing. But the point of that is that that is a live vaccine, and that is something that our pediatrician told us. And so, you know, I mean, there's just – anyway, I don't know why. I'm just a big flu shot guy, and it really annoys me when people are like, I don't get the flu shot. I've had the flu, and I'm able to go to work. I'm like, bitch, you didn't have the flu. You had a cold, okay? There's a difference.
1: Oh, and the people that go to work sick, you can kiss the darkest part of my ass. Stay the fuck home when you're sick. I hate that shit.
2: That's, like, stuff I don't miss. Like, that's, like, a big reason why I, like, don't miss going into the office. Because there's always that, like, one coworker that thinks they're, like fucking solving all of the world's problems by being there and that like the company is going to suffer if they're not there or if they god forbid work from home that day and instead they like get like four of your coworkers sick and then everyone's pissed and no one can go to happy hour and everything sucks like it's just anyway. Okay, so let's let's rein it in a little. The point that I was going for here is that I think COVID's going to be here for a long long time. I don't think that that's a unique opinion. It it gets exhausting. Again, like, I have a child, and she's one. So, you know, she goes to daycare. She's in a classroom with, like, 11 other kids at most at any point. It's very well contained. We've got cousins, nieces, nephews that are in school. And if there's an exposure, like, if they're exposed, they have to quarantine for, like, 10 days. And it really sucks. Like, it it just – I don't want to be one of these people, but, like, it just really sucks. Like, kids should be in school. And it's – a lot of these kids are too young to even get vaccinated and so like why are there selfish people who are just still not doing it like just get the fucking shot you'll deal with shitty side effects for 24 hours you'll survive you'll be just fine you're not going to grow a third fucking arm you're not going to be magnetic the government doesn't want to track you you're boring as shit no one cares about you like let's just can we just be done like let's just just get the damn vaccine and then we'll have to let it be just a part of our life and that's that's I think just where like i've resigned myself to like this is just gonna be and so it sucks i expect that our team is gonna wind up having a bunch of people in covid protocol they're gonna have to postpone some games that being said i really do hope they don't go to the olympics because i just
1: oh yeah
2: don't want them to and like between that and like the time and the like the time away if you have any good mojo it like stops it the, they're going to be off, like their body clock's going to be off. It's like a twelve or fourteen hour difference. It's just, it's a mess. Just a mess.
1: Also, I can yeah. think of a couple options I mean, for a third. The all. only just that out there.
2: <laughs> Go, Dave. The only <laughs>
0: potential shutdown scenario I think they could even consider is one where they say we're not going to the Olympics, and instead we're going to shut down for three weeks or two weeks, and then play all of those games during that two week window. But the arenas probably aren't going to be available because there's other events that go on in these arenas: concerts, basketball games, circus, Disney on Ice, etc. It's and you can't, especially the NHL. You know, it'd be one thing if you're the NFL, you can really throw your weight around and force people to reschedule stuff. The NHL does not have that clout in the sports and entertainment industry, so um, they're stuck with the schedule they've got. Frankly, and I agree with both of you. It doesn't make any sense to shut down. Now, this is not any of us. I want to be perfectly clear. We're not covid deniers. We are not thumbing our nose at um, the health and safety risks that are inherent um, by continuing to play during a pandemic. But that's the choice that's been made, not by the NHL singularly, but basically by Western society. Everybody has decided, especially in rich rich nations, we've given you all the opportunity to get the vaccine those of you who want to get it it's it's pretty much available to you now that's a deeper issue they, there could definitely be more more being done on that front um, definitely not something for us to discuss on this podcast but you know the vaccines exist they're widely available in in, in particularly rich you know western nations um, the rest of you don't want to stay home you don't want a mask you don't want to um, you don't want shutdowns you don't want lockdowns So fine like society's open and we're at a point where the risk that you, are comfortable with is the risk that you're allowed to take, right? So I think at this point, all of these players are aware of those risks. They are, the league is 99 to, you know, 98 to 99% vaccinated. I mean, Milan Lucic put on his Instagram, you know, the only reason I saw, I don't follow him on Instagram, I promise you. you. But it popped up on Twitter because the Flames have 10 guys in in protocol. Um, He said our team is 100% vaccinated, uh, we look forward to getting back on the ice really soon, you know, and, and and I think it's safe to assume maybe a couple of guys have symptoms, maybe a couple of guys have a bad case versus some guys having maybe just a little bit of a, a cough. And then there's probably some asymptomatic, uh, you know, guys on, pro, you know, in health and safety protocols as well. But, you know, the point is, is that this is part of our lives now and it 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 just isn't going to happen. They're not going to shut the league down unless there is. Something that that I think goes beyond the scope of anything we can imagine. Um, You know, I'm it's just a really weird thing because, Dave, you said that you had the point about the taxi squads. Um, I think they should reinstitute that. I also think that if I were Chris Drury, I would try to get the team into a meeting and say, hey, guys, listen, how bad do we want it this year? Because, you know, hockey is a game. Uh, you know, uh, allegedly, uh, you know, uh, and it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, most ardent fans, old school fans will tell you like hockey's all about grit and determination and sacrifice. And it's about, you know, the team and the collective over the individual. Chris Drury is a guy who I think it's safe to say subscribes to those, uh, those platitudes. What if Chris Drury gets on a, you know, a zoom meeting ideally with his team and says, guys, if I enact really strict health and safety protocols, are you in? Because that puts us at a distinct advantage over the rest of the NHL. If it, and if the team buys into that, maybe the Rangers avoid a COVID outbreak, and maybe in April, when the Rangers are either in the playoffs or gearing up for the playoffs, they are one of the healthiest teams because they didn't have a severe outbreak across the team. And and I'm wondering if the league's not going to step up and implement uh, its its own or you know or or mandate uh, league wide protocols. Why not, if you're a team, do that? I mean, I, it's absolutely something I could see the Tampa Bay Lightning do. They're better at this stuff than everybody else is. And I could very easily see us getting to the end of the year and looking at Tampa Bay and being like, wow, they never had a COVID outbreak. I wonder why. And then there's probably going to be some big story written by fucking Pierre Lebrun about how in in February or in December, Julian Breezebois sat them all down and said, "We're, we're gonna we're going to play by very strict rules here because we want to win another championship. I mean, this, this is this is where my head went with this, and I don't think it's that far-fetched. If you are a team that's serious about winning a lot of games and potentially winning a Stanley Cup this year, why not just tell your players, guys, be careful on the road, only see your family, try to limit the amount you go out, and if you are anywhere in any of our facilities without a mask on other than on the ice, you're fined or you're, you're suspended by the team for a day. I mean, that to me is the best way to, to go about this, knowing that the league is probably not going to shut things down. I don't know if you guys agree if, if, with any of that, or if that sounds crazy to you. I know it would probably have to be somewhat run by the players' union, but I, I don't know. I mean, teams make their own rules all the time about curfews and facial all that hair. kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, why, facial hair, absolutely. Dress code. We saw the Rangers in track suits the other day, which oh, was very exciting. So not not bomb. suits. I
2: want them so. Yeah, badly. they're
0: awesome. You know they're um, going to sell those but,
1: to the public and make a killing off of them. Everybody.
2: Yeah, yeah they're know, I'm like six hundred dollars a piece. I mean, like oh, four hundred seventy-five dollars done. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I I agree. Like, Rob, honestly, I think it's a really important. Like, we are not COVID deniers. Our podcast is 100% fully vaccinated. Like, we are... It's just... It's just exhausting. It's just fucking exhausting. It's so tiring. And, like, it's been how many months now? It's been, like, 20 months. It's... Almost two full years. Like, we're all... I think we're all allowed to just be a little tired at this point. And, yeah, but... Science fucking rules, um, immunotherapy rules, like vaccines rule, just, you know, yay science and yay doctors and we love you. So uh,
1: that's it. There's a PTSD thing with COVID that is not being spoken about.
2: Oh, 1000%.
1: And quite frankly, part of moving past this, and I am guilty of this myself, where even during the downtime before omicron and while everything was lifted i would still see people in a deli without a mask and i look at them like what are you doing and it's just there's a ptsd factor here that we kind of do need sports to get us through it and this yes. is the one sanity thing that I have in my life right now. I haven't seen any of my coworkers in two years. I think I've seen four friends. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's there's a piece of this that I just want to get back to normal, and it usually does begin with sports. Whenever we've had something like this, oh, sports absolutely. is the first thing that we come to as a collective society to help us move on.
0: I couldn't agree more. And and having hockey even last year, which was remarkable that they played, you know, during the the pre-vaccine era of this pandemic. And they and did a halfway decent and, job. And, and, you know, the, absolutely. And, you know, they should be applauded for that. And now, again, with the vaccine, there's also a uh, an antiviral drug that's going to get FDA approval very soon. You know, this is it's going to become it already is a part of society and is going to be forever at this point. But it's going to become, I think, uh, you know, pretty much a treatable thing like the flu again the flu affects people in a very serious ways it kills people um covid kills more people now hopefully that death rate continues to uh, plummet as the science gets better as more people get vaccinated but the idea that we're going to eradicate this disease or that another national hockey league season is going to ever be played without the threat of a covid outbreak for a team it's it's just impossible it's not going to happen and that goes for all the sports as well so all right we're running out of time here i do want to get we get a couple of fan questions i also wanted to shout out Big Lou, immortal Lou, 30 on Twitter. You know, we did, um, he did submit a question for last week's show when we had Justin on. We didn't, uh, well, we addressed the question. I think, Dave, you answered the question. It was about which contract might the Rangers have to move on from if they want to keep Strom. Um, but we didn't shout Lou out. So I just wanted to do that before we get to tonight's questions. Um, if if we-
2: anyone has uh, advanced Photoshop skills, Lou would love to be um, Photoshopped as Kermit sipping tea, except instead of tea, it's beer from a shoe
1: yeah um i gotta like that there's gotta be something unsanitary about drinking a beer out of a shoe
2: something unsanitary about i I
1: mean uh, oh god and especially you, you know and i'm gonna rag on staten island here like staten island is exactly the cleanest place in the world and oh god like i i lou we love you but dude like you got to wear a mouth condom or something if you're gonna chug a beer out of a shoe.
2: A dental dam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are called dental dams. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let me let me get to the fan questions here. Uh, so our buddy Bill to spill, who is like our forever question asker, asks. Do you think Keandre is in the long-term plans? Moving on, can net a big return and alleviate some of the cap headache that's approaching?
1: Oh. Oh.
0: I love the way he phrased this question because it's a yes or no question first. Uh, And then obviously there's more that can be said. But do you think Keandre is in the long-term plans? Um, I mean, what I'll say is I think they're deciding on that at this very moment. Because I think if a big enough name comes up, um, and they also have a corresponding trade for a veteran defenseman, I think Miller could be a guy that moves um, with all the defensive depth uh, in their prospect pipeline. I hate saying that because I think he's my favorite of the young players. And I don't say that lightly, but I've got my qualms with Lafreniere, which we can talk about on another show. I do love Capo Caco. I think he's going to be a great player. Keandre is like my guy, though. I love his game. I know he's got some rough spots defensively at times, but I love watching that dude play. I want him to be a Ranger forever. I love his personality, love his style, um, and I mean that both on and off the ice, but um, I I think the Rangers are... (laughs) I I think the Rangers are evaluating that as we speak. That's my answer. Oh,
1: I am going to go flat out, no, he's not. I think... Wow. He is going to have one of those. So I've compared him to Brent Burns in the past, where Brent Burns was a forward converted defenseman. He struggled initially in his first three seasons, and then in oh uh, seven oh eight he blew up, put up fifteen goals, forty three points, and then he never really found his footing until San Jose until his last year in Minnesota, and then he got too expensive. And then in San Jose, we saw what happened there. I think Keandre Miller is going to have a similar career path, if not an identical career path. And the Rangers will move on from him, not to just move on from him, but they will, like Rob said, include him in a deal for a center if Ryan Strom gets too expensive and they need somebody. They'll acquire something tangible that they can use, and they will regret it two seasons later.
0: I don't want to think about it.
1: It makes me sick, but I think it's going to happen because they have too much cheap talent in the pipe for them to not move on from him and to not move on from somebody on the right side of the defense. And it's probably going to be Nils Lundqvist.
2: All right, I'm not going to answer this because the question makes me feel ill. Um, Next, and our final question is, at Eric Reut. Do you think it was a good idea to pick up Eichel and stash him on the IR? Asshole. So, there is a very light, (laughs) there is a very light Lucy Blogs uh, fantasy hockey league. Not, not super broad. We do 10 teams. We like to keep it tight Anyway. So, Eric is in first place. Dave and I are in second and third. And, Eric.
1: I hate you, Eric.
2: He's just crushing us. So, this is him.
0: For those of us who aren't in the league, because I'm actually not in the league. He
2: picked up Eichel. Yeah, he he drafted Eichel. And, actually, that's not a unique uh, decision to make. Like, I mean, I think Eichel was actually drafted in every league I'm in. But, uh, you know... Eric One day Something's gonna happen to you
1: You know what I gotta study Yeah Uh, For those who don't remember Warren around in 2009 Eric used to run Five hole blog Which was another Rangers blog And He's been a friend Of the site Forever And Eric's a good guy But you know what Eric Go fuck yourself
0: Oh god Jesus Really didn't want to Hold back on that one Did you
1: Eric can take it.
0: Go fly a kite.
1: <laughs> Go fly a kite. No. <laughs> now listen, Becky already made this one door. explicit. No, Becky dropped an F bomb in the first three minutes of this, so you know what? I, I decided was, I'll was, get my oh, well
0: I wasn't alluding to that. That's just very harsh on 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 Eric, a, a longtime friend of yours.
1: You know what? He earned it, and he knows he did. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah. Okay. In the future, we're not going to tell our listeners to go fuck themselves. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: it's, it's only Eric because of that. And also, I'm going to give a giant fuck you to Brandon Cohen, who tried to chirp me about beating me by three points or whatever the hell it was this week, even though I put up 495 points. He just had a ridiculous week. But he's still the lowest scoring team in the league and looking up at me in the standings. So, Brandon, this is a giant middle finger for you, too. See? <laughs> It's equal hate across the board.
2: We take our fantasy hockey slightly seriously around here. Which as we I, should. I like better, yeah. Um, I don't have any like fun question to ask, and I, that, that was my homework. Um,
0: well, let's try and get that for next week leading into, uh, into Christmas. We'll have Russ on the show as well. So, yep. Dave, you won't be here, but we'll try and get your response to that.
2: We'll try not to tell Dave to go fuck himself next week.
1: Um, <laughs> but everybody else that's does. That's the goal. Everybody else tells me to go fuck myself, so you guys may as well join in.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that just about that just about does it for for us this week here on the show. Uh, we will see you next uh, next Wednesday. Dave, enjoy Spider Man.
1: Thank you. I will.
0: Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently available on iTunes and Spotify. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other fans find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live and check out blueseatblogs.com, the longest-running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis. And For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. We'll see you next week.